you'll turn to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. And we are in the, uh, as we said, uh, the Bible is the greatest book ever written. Romans is the greatest letter. Many believe that Romans to be the greatest letter ever written. And chapter 8, many believe to be the greatest chapter and the greatest letter and the greatest book. And so, uh, for me personally, it is, it is one of my favorites, if we're, if we're allowed to have favorites in that realm, not, certainly not diminishing anything else in the Word. Uh, it, it really, Paul is building um, a, an argument. And he has made it very clear how we become the people of God. How are we reconciled? And we looked uh, last week at Paul's, uh, the pinnacle of that conclusion of justification by faith alone, through grace alone, in Jesus alone, through his death, burial, and resurrection, that his offering is enough, is sufficient uh, for the, to pay the penalty, to pay the, the debt for the forgiveness of our sin. And Paul says that in Romans 8, 1, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we walked through that verse last week, and we talked about the therefore, that that it's pointing you back to the gospel, and we talked about now, and that there is a new realm in which we believers live, that before Jesus Christ, condemnation sat upon us. That's what we saw in Romans 5, verse 8. God demonstrates His own love toward us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God due our sin. We looked at John 3.36, and it so shows how non-believers, it says the wrath of God remains upon them due their sin. And last week we said the word was assurance, that Paul is giving us assurance, that this one true gospel through Jesus Christ offers assurance. And today, today we build on this verse, and, and, I, and I, the main point for today is this, that through the gospel, God has given believers the Spirit in order to defeat sin in our lives and live for God's glory. And we've got to connect these things. Last week, Romans 8, 1, there is now no condemnation. And we'll see in a minute, verse 2 begins with this, for, for. What he's saying in verse 2 is because of the truth of verse 1. He could have he could have said because there. Because verse 1 is true, what I'm about to say has its right context. And, and, and I believe that what we see here, it could be as important to any of us today with regards to living the Christian life. The, I, I would argue this is where so many of us go astray and get it wrong. And, and I want to get real practical at the start. I want to, I want to sort of put the, put the puzzle box up in front of us all so we can see the end picture. As we put these pieces together, we know where we're going right from the start. I, I believe that if we would get chapter 8 settled, it would change, it would radically change our lives as believers. If we would grasp what Paul is saying in Romans 8. And what happens for most of us, 
my, my, my concern would be, my argument would be that what happens for most of us is that we get saved by grace and, and we would not argue that in here. But then we live lives that are separated from that grace. We, get, we enter by grace. We enter the people of God by grace, but then we think it's up to us to live on our own and in our own strength. And we either live however we want to live and just claim grace, or we spend our lives trying to pay God back or, or try to keep what He's already guaranteed to us. And, and both, of these, both of these, the tragedy is, is you're essentially turning away from the gospel. You're turning away from the strength God has given you to live out the gospel, if you will. And, and this is not a new struggle. This is not anything new for us as, as sinners, as, as people being reconciled to God. In Galatians 3, we've seen it, but listen to what Paul says. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified. And this is Paul's issue. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit? Again, emphasis on the Spirit. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by healing with faith? Or, hearing or by hearing with faith, excuse me. He's saying, did you earn it or was it grace? And all of us, if we're honest, all of us would say, oh, grace. Yeah, we, we get in by grace. Okay, but look at verse 3. Now what? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Do you see what Paul's saying? He's saying you don't begin by grace and then live by the flesh. You don't begin by the Spirit and then live a life separated from the Spirit. And this looks, this looks a couple of different ways in our lives. And, and, and I was reminded of this yesterday afternoon. Uh, my daughter wanted to have a balloon fight, a water balloon fight. And uh, we got home from soccer, and I was tired, and I said, let me, just, let me just rest for just a little bit. Let me rest, and that ended up being a couple hours longer than I anticipated because I'm just a lazy, sorry father, but um, among other things. Um, so that afternoon, I, we, we, we went out, and we had a water balloon fight, and I said, let me mow the grass first. Let me get that done before it rains. It was supposed to rain, and that didn't happen, but... So I did that, and then we had this water balloon fight. And, and you know, we are throwing balloons at each other, and eventually we run out of balloons, and then we just start spraying each other with the hose and, you know, just this and that. And, but I was reminded of today's lesson and the power that God offers. You know, they have these contraptions where you hook it up to the end of the hose and you turn the water on, you could fill up 50, 60, I don't know, maybe 100 balloons at one time, just like that. It's an amazing contraption. I think back to Dad about the days when I was trying to fill up one balloon at a time, tie it, and it's like, you better hit the person you're aiming it at because that took me 15 minutes. <laughs> now, in a matter of two seconds, you got 100 balloons. I don't really care. And, and so you, you turn the water on to fill this up, and, and the water does the work. Listen, all you got to do is hook that thing up to the end of the hose. The water, the water, the power of the water does the work. But guess what happened? There was a kink in the hose. So guess what? All of a sudden, the balloons aren't filling up. Here's my, and, and I was reminded of this. Listen. 
all the power that was there to fill those balloons up, it was there. It was readily available. But the balloons weren't experiencing the power because there was a kink in the hose. It wasn't a supply issue. It was an experience issue. Something had interfered with the power that that water was providing. It wasn't being experienced by the balloons. All the power was there. And listen, when it, when it wasn't kinked, it filled up the balloons like that. All of a sudden, there's two buckets full of balloons. Red ones for Sarah, yellow ones for, for Bradley. Why? Because they won't share. If you keep them all in one bucket, Brad's going to take advantage of her, and she's going to yell. And I've seen this movie. Let's divide them up, red and yellow. Just so happens that's Florida State colors, but they're terrible, so that really wasn't our goal there. Easy. Whoever said, yes, they are. Whoever said that. Yeah, there you go. Shut up. So, I, I, so again, and I, I, my, I believe that this is the way it is in our lives. All the power's there. R- Romans, 1, Romans 8, 1 is there. The power to live the Christian life, the water has been turned on. Through the gospel, the water is there. The power is there. there. But the problem is there's a kink in the hose in our lives between Romans 8.1 and the rest of what Paul says, and so we don't experience the power. We think that we can disconnect from the hose of grace once we get saved and go live on our own strength. That's the problem. We think that we can get saved by grace and then live the Christian life according to our own strength. And that's what Paul is saying. You can't do that. It was never meant to do that. The law proved you couldn't do that. You need the power that only God provides through the Spirit if you're going to live the life. That's why in 1 Thessalonians 5.19 it says, Do not grieve the Spirit. In Ephesians 4.30 it says, Do not quench the Spirit. How do we do that? Through sin. How do we do that? Through how we experience grace through our everyday living. What Paul is saying is you connect yourself to God to gra- through grace and you stay connected to God through grace. You don't say, I'll take it from here. I- I'll live on my own. And and so the challenge for us is this, this wonderful spirit that God has provided, by the way, that he always promised to provide in the Old Testament, he has done that, and what he's saying is this, don't disconnect to that. If you want to really experience the Christian life as it was intended, you're going to do it through my power, because I've got to do it through you. The whole history of Israel proved you can't do it. I've got to do it through you. And what happens when we just, again, getting real practical, and we may stop right after the practical side and finish later. We'll see what the time is. And that's okay. I think we see evidence of this disconnect. I think we see evidence of this in our lives a couple of ways. Evidence is that we don't really grasp the gospel. Evidence is that we don't really comprehend Romans 8.1. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying that we don't really appropriate and comprehend the gospel in some ways. And I think this looks a couple different ways in our lives. 
And, and, and what it does is when we rely on our own strength, both of these ways, we're relying on our own strength, relying on our own effort to be good enough to supposedly de- defeat sin. And listen, our lives prove that it's futile apart from the Spirit. And, and, here, and the first one you'll see on your handout, I want to call the first one performers. We end up being performers. And the challenge is this, when we, when we think we'll do it on our own, when we'll perform for God, we really end up doing nothing about our sin in large part. But, but what we do here is we, we avoid the big sins. We're content just avoiding the big sins. Sins that we probably wouldn't have done regardless of our relationship to Christ. And you see it on your handout. Performers do not grasp the fullness of the gospel in Romans 8.1 because you're working to make God pleased with you based on what you do or do not do. You're trying to please God based on what you do or do not do. And outward appearance matters most. You never get to the heart. And, and, and the challenge with this is it seems to work because outwardly you'll look righteous. But it's not a righteousness that is God-centered. It's not a righteousness that's gospel-fueled. It's not at all based upon our standing of Romans 8.1. And, and what I mean by this is that we rely on our own strength to not do certain things that we probably wouldn't have done anyway. And, I, and, 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 and listen, I'm just going to guess that regardless of the gospel, let's just hope that I never committed murder. My parents raised me a certain way. Murder, maybe not. Regardless of the gospel, let's say, uh, you know, not not going to struggle with homosexuality. Okay? Look, uh, alcohol, regardless of the gospel, alcohol is a non-issue to me. My father grew up with an alcoholic father. I've seen the devastation. He experienced devastation. No-brainer to me. You see what I'm saying? I, I, can, I can easily do those things. They're not really a battle for me. And I can totally disconnect that to the gospel. And I can look outwardly, like smoking. I, I, I hate the smell of smoke. My allergies get messed up. I, I feel like I grew up in a bowling alley watching my dad bowl on Thursday nights, and you could hardly see whether you got a strike or not because there was so much smoke in the place. And, and it, it, I, don't, I don't like it. And my point is this, we can, and, and if I'm not careful, I can, pride my thing, I can pride myself on not doing things that others do, and it's all about me. And that's where I can get my righteousness if I'm not careful. And we can look real righteous on the outside, but the issue is that none of it is connected to the gospel. None of it is done by the power of God. None of it is done through the Spirit of God crucifying sin. It's outwardly. We begin to get our righteousness based on not doing things that we're really not tempted to do anyway, right? That's my point. You're really not tempted. There's no battle there. And we begin to find our righteousness based on what we do or don't do, and it's totally separated from the Spirit of God. And the tragedy of this is that we, we never end up basking in the assurance of the gospel and what Christ has accomplished through us. There's no fellowship enjoyed. There's no relationship enjoyed. There's, there's really no glory to God because we're the ones doing it. 
We never grasp Romans 8.1 really, that there's no condemnation. We, we perform. The, the other temptation that I think we fall into is this. We become pretenders. Maybe we're not performers, but we're pretenders. And the challenge is this. Performers, you know, we, we, we avoid these major sins and we, we look real righteous on the outside. But listen, we never deal with sins such as greed and lust and envy and gossip and gluttony and disobedient parents. Those never get addressed. Why? Because we struggle with those. And so we, we, we realize there's a gap. And you know what we do? We pretend. We pretend. And you see in our handout, not grasping the fullness of the gospel in Romans 8.1, we hide the sins we cannot defeat on our own, or we act like we don't struggle with them. Why? Because, the, listen, we realize real quick, our flesh is not winning that battle on its own. Or my flesh is not going to crucify my flesh. Not with any, re- regular, not with any regularity. And so we, we, we're forced to put up this facade like these aren't an issue. All the while inside, they're killing us. All the while, the watching world looks at us and they see us lose these fights over and over. They see us live lives as believers that look very little different from that of the world, lack real power, lack real power to defeat sin, lack real difference, and they feel no draw to Christ. Because in our lives, it's really made no difference. And again, not understanding Romans 8.1. No con- there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And, and we end up living exhausted lives, hoping to never be exposed. And, and, and again, what happens is, this is, again, when our righteousness is rooted in our, in our performing, or when our righteousness is, is rooted in our pretending and our hiding our sins, then we end, up, we end up bashing sins that other people struggle with, and we become very easy on the sins we do struggle with. You know, we boycott places. Oh, Disney does this. Listen, why aren't we boycotting gossip? Huh? Why aren't we boycotting envy? You know why? Because we struggle with those. And, and it's rooted in the fact that we don't grasp that our condom, the no condemnation is through the work of Christ. Our lives are meant to be connected, even as believers, to Christ. And God has given the Spirit, and we've got to yield to that Spirit every single moment of every day if we're going to experience the power to kill sin. My flesh is not going to do it. And we've got to hate sin, all sin, even the sin we struggle with. And we've got to, be, we've got to get to a place where when we grasp 8-1, now we can be honest with our sin because, listen, let's be honest, every single person in here is battling sin. Every single person in here, I guarantee you, there's a sin in your life that you probably feel whooped by right now. You know what we do? We create a culture in here that nobody can talk about it because we, we pretend and we, we perform and we don't let anybody, won't let anybody know. And so we just perpetuate the game over and over and over and over again. And, and, and instead of really dealing 
with the power source that God has provided to defeat sin, to put it away. And, and Paul is saying here, again, grasp the fact that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but also grasp the fact, beginning in verse 2, that the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. You see the point? Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. That's the key. We don't walk according to the flesh. We are to walk according to the spirit. There we will have victory over sin. And when we try to pretend, and when we try to perform, and when we think we'll do it on our own, and and again, here's the proof, evaluate your own life. And and again, these are some of the things that I struggle with, like this is probably why, you know, people leave or whatever, but it is what it is. Let me ask you this, here's how I know you don't really take sin seriously and you don't take the Spirit seriously. Do you read the Word every day? Do you feel like reading the Word is optional every day? That right there alone tells me your attitude about sin. Because let me ask you this. Do you eat every day? Do you eat food every day? Nod your head up and down. Why? What will happen if you don't eat food? You die. Listen to me. You know what happens when you don't eat the spiritual food of the word? Matthew 4, 4. Man doesn't live on bread alone by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Colossians three sixteen. Let the word of God richly dwell within you. Again, You know what happens spiritually? You don't lose your salvation, but you're weak. No different than if I didn't eat. Listen, there's a battle going on. We saw that in Romans 7. I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. There's a battle in my heart. There's an old nature. There's a new nature. Listen to me. Whichever one you feed is the one that's going to rule the other. And my flesh is not going to defeat my flesh. And until we take sin seriously, until we, until we even get, get past that idea of pretending and, and performing and really understand there's no condemnation, where, listen, where we can walk up to one another and say, listen, I'm struggling with this. Will you pray for me? Hey, I'm struggling. That never happens. You know why? Because we're pretenders. We're performers. Ooh, he's struggling. Well, so are you. So are you. Every single person in here, I promise you, is going to great, has gone or is going to great lengths hoping somebody don't find out something. And you're relying on the flesh instead of the Word of God and the Spirit of God richly dwelling in you to crucify that so you don't even want to do it anymore. That's the thing of the Word. It strengthens us. It builds up the Spirit. And the Spirit begins to, Ephesians 5.18, the Spirit begins to control us and puts to death the deeds of the flesh automatically. We'll see it in, in two weeks. We're not Walk according to the flesh, and you will put to death the deeds of the body. Walk according to the Spirit. How do you do that? The Word of God richly dwelling in you. Hating sin. And listen, the seriousness of sin is not that it disconnects us from one another. It disconnects us from God. It quenches the spirit, grieves the spirit, so we don't don't experience the power that God has given us to live the Christian life. 
but worse than that, so that he'll get the glory. And we end up caring about what others think and what others seem to erroneously know about us more than what God knows about us. We care more about, does anybody else see it? Not that God knows about it. And God has given us the spirit to fight sin. And let me illustrate it. And this is my fear. This, my fear is that this is how many of us are living the Christian life right now. You ever try to take a giant beach ball? You ever tried to hold it underwater? What happens? It keeps popping up, doesn't it? To your best effort, you can hold it down for a little while, but guess what happens to the beach ball? Eventually, it makes its way back to the surface. You know, and you look foolish. You're trying to force it, and it pops up over here, and you force it. My fear is, is that's the way most of us approach sin. Trying to do it all on our own strength. We can keep it down for a little while, but then guess what happens? Pops up. Then we don't know what to do. The facade's ruined then. No more pretending then. We realize performing don't work, so then let's just pretend. And eventually you get exposed there. And we never really battled sin. We never realized, listen, the Spirit of God was given us to, you know what He does? He wants to pop the beach ball. Right? He wants to destroy the beach ball through the Spirit. And this is what Paul is saying here. Just you on your own strength trying to keep the beach ball underwater, that's not biblical Christianity. That's not the way we were meant to fight sin. And neither is performing and neither is pretending. That's not how we were meant to battle sin. And I want you to keep that in mind. I say all that on the front end as we look at Romans 2, I mean Romans 8, 2 and following. Keep that in mind. God has given us the Spirit promised long ago to do what? To help us fight sin, to help us and cause us and empower us to obey the way that God desires us to obey. That was the promise. And it's not, it's, not, it's not you and I just in our own strength doing this. Do we have a part in it? This ain't let go and let God. But that's what I'm saying. It comes from us richly, the word richly dwelling in us. And, and again, that equips the Spirit to do what the Spirit was given to do. You, same thing you see in Galatians 5. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He says in Ephesians 5 later on, the fruit of the flesh is this, but the fruit of the what? The Spirit. Who's producing that? Who's producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control? Who's producing that in your life? Not Chris Basham. The Spirit. You know, and I see it in my own life. Maybe you can relate. How come sometimes when cars cut you off, it don't bother you at all, and other times you just want to run them over? It, it, it depends on what's ruling your life. At the time, the flesh or the spirit? And, and, and it, all of this, listen to me, all of this flows from rightly understanding Romans 8.1. Look at Romans 8.2. For the law. The word for there, it literally means because. 
Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, is why Paul can say what he's about to say in verse 2. Why it's true. Because at the very same time that condemnation is taken away, we receive the Spirit of God. And until we grasp Romans 8, 1, we will not grasp Romans 8, 2 and following. And, and what Paul is saying and what we must grasp is this. Our lives as believers flow from our position. They flow from our position. The position, no condemnation, dictates everything. Mom, dad, boss, that's the way it is in life. And that's why Paul has gone to great lengths that we would understand our justification, have a firm understanding of our position in Christ and how that came to be because how we live flows from that. Again, even back to Romans 6.1, why would Paul say that believers won't be casual with sin? Because of the Spirit. And, and it's the source, again, our forgiveness. It's sourced in our forgiveness. Our new status, our new realm. And you see it on your handout. Forgiveness of our sins through faith in Christ must proceed and then fuel our battle against sin. It's not that we don't battle sin. We're talking about how we battle sin. It's how we battle sin. And, and God's declaration that we have been forgiven and righteous precedes the reception of the Spirit. And everything we see here flows from having been justified. Knowing and seeing ourselves rightly is the start. Seeing ourselves as right with God first and foremost. Seeing this and that it's settled and it's not dependent on our works. No condemnation. And, and, and the illustration, I, I throw an illustration out to, to, to think about this and how... how how we see ourselves. And we might, we might stop here, we'll see. I want you to imagine me for one moment. Imagine me that you're in a courtroom and you're on trial for a capital offense. And imagine me for a moment that your life hangs in the balance based on what the verdict is. If the judge brings back a, if the judge brings a guilty verdict, death. If the judge brings a not guilty verdict, life and freedom. And suppose the judge says to you, there, there are two ways that we can deal with this. I can acquit you right now, decisively, irrevocably, I can acquit you right now and I can release you so that you can go free, you can live free, knowing that you have been acquitted. Or, I can postpone the trial and the verdict for several years. I can assign you a parole officer to watch you, and, I'll let, and, and it's up to you to prove and determine what the verdict is going to be. And for all those years you live, you have the verdict you have that unknown situation looming over your head. Let me ask you a question. Are those two scenarios going to represent two different total ways that you live as a freed person? Absolutely. 
One, you're going to go forward free. The other, you're going to have to perform because you know the verdict is looming over your head. And you're never really going to be free. And the difference between those two situations, listen, the differences matter. The different verdict matters. I I dare say it would affect everything about how you live. Peace, joy, all those things would be different if you thought the verdict was still looming over you. And those differences would affect the assurances you experience. They affect the enjoyment. In one case, you're free from condemnation. You live with gladness and you show, and you live a life that shows the wisdom and the mercy of the judge in setting you free, right? The other, you would always have that trial hanging over your head. And the basis of your future would be determined by your behavior and wondering if you measure up. Listen, if you would say that doesn't matter, listen, that's why I'm telling you theology matters. Understanding the word matters. Those, those are two totally different scenarios. And, and I dare say it's very possible that many of us in here, even in here, are living lives more in line with the second scenario than with the first. Because we don't really fully understand the gospel. We really haven't grasped Romans 8.1. We really don't understand. It may be that we were told a wrong gospel or an incomplete gospel. But understanding Romans 8.1 has tremendous impacts on us and it has tremendous impacts on those around us. What are we communicating to the world about the gospel? And Romans 8.1 made it very clear that there is no long, condemnation is no longer an option for believers. No matter what you face, no matter what you go through, God has not, is not, or will not condemn you to your sin if you are in Christ. The cross and the offering of Christ assures this. Christ took the condemnation. So listen, here's the thing. When the ball pops up, when sin pops up, you know what that frees me to do? Admit it, and it frees me to deal with it. I don't need to pretend. I don't need to perform. God's grace has freed me to go crucify sin. And when I, on the occasion that I lose the battle, it wasn't up to me anyway. It's condemned. It doesn't at all free me to just be loose with sin. That's not at all what it says. Actually, it frees me to go aggressively fight sin with all I've got, knowing that when I lose the battle, I repent, I acknowledge it, and I claim God's grace, and I look back at the gospel, and I keep moving forward. No different in my marriage. When, when, I, when I hurt Karen or when I disappoint Karen, you know what I do? I go back to the vows, I say I'm sorry, and I go back to the certainty of the vows, and I repent, and I move forward. And I don't, li- listen, I certainly don't allow the condemnation to overrule me. That's my fear that some of us live there. Because if, we, if it's up to us to perform, when we fail, you know what? I failed. Six weeks go by and we're just, I failed. I failed. Why? If that's evidence that you might be trusting in self-righteousness. 
It's evidence you might be falling into the trap of performing or pretending rather than really rightly grasping the gospel and allowing Romans 8.1 to truly flow over us that Jesus' burden is light. It's not wearisome. How can he say that? Because he's doing it through you. God wants to do it through you so that he gets the glory, not you. Man's burden is heavy. Grasp, guys, gra- we're going to end here. Grasp 8-1. And, and in your grow groups, even in your, if you don't go to a grow group, I would encourage you, but even as you walk out of here, contemplate what we've said. Is, in what ways are we living lives that show that we misunderstand the gospel? That we've not allowed the gospel to really wash over us. Uh, maybe, maybe you've been living life as a performer. Thinking that on my best days, God is so well pleased with me, and on my worst days, God can't stand me. That, that's a wrong, that's a misunderstanding of 8-1. Maybe it's been a pretender. Maybe you're exhausted of trying to keep the ball under the water on your own strength, and maybe you need to let the Spirit pop the ball. And that might be confessing that sin to somebody, to another brother and sister, and it might be allowing them to walk through you to help you gain victory over that. Because until we grasp that, we're not going to, again, walk by the Spirit, and you will put to death the deeds of the flesh. How do we do that? By letting God's Word richly dwell within us. By feeding the Spirit. And by starving the flesh. And which, listen, whichever one you feed is going to be the one that grows and dominates you. And it's a day, Christian life is daily, moment by moment, relying on God through the Spirit to put to death sin and to produce His character in our lives. The fruits of the Spirit, not the fruits of the flesh. To put to death, and listen, you'll see it on your handout, and I'll give you this one just leading into next week. The measure of victory that we get over sin in our lives is directly connected to the work of God's Spirit in us. If you want real victory over sin in your life, it's going to be directly connected to the Spirit's work in your life. It's not about us performing, it's not about us pretending. I pray that we wouldn't be that church. I pray that we would, we would so understand Romans 8.1 that when we would so fight sin that on the, when we lose the battle, we can be gracious with one another, come along one another and help so that there can be victory and we can move on knowing that it wasn't about me performing anyway. Because listen, every single one of us in here are fighting sin. And I guarantee you, every single one of us get whooped by sin. So let's stop pretending. Let's stop trying to perform. And let's understand Romans 8, 1, that in Christ Jesus there's no condemnation. You are free to go fight sin through the power of the Spirit and to see real victory over sin in your life. Because when we trust in ourselves, we're essentially kinking the hose. When we starve ourselves of the Word, we are kinking the hose. The power's there. We're just not experiencing it. And that is not the Christian life that God has called us to before a watching world. That's not the abundant, victorious life. Again, seeing sin crushed through the power of the Spirit. That's what God's called us to. Why? Because He gets the glory.